0: it Shoots, Chapter 7 "'You're not going anywhere,' my squad leader said as he fumbled in a drawer with one hand and squeezed a pimple on his chest with the other. This was typical of how NCOs operated. Instead of calmly telling you what they needed done, they loved to shout out the most dramatic, over-the-top thing to crush your spirit. Too bad he didn't know you couldn't kill what was already dead. I had been summoned to Sergeant Andrew's barracks room after work. Now I stood at parade rest in the corner as the idiot shuffled about his room, shirtless spraying on cologne, and repeatedly checking himself in the mirror. You got a date there, son? I thought about asking, but I didn't really care. As a leader, though, he shouldn't be putting me to work as he went on a date. They told me they think Springsteen wants to kill himself, he said, so I need you to watch him. How do I stop him from killing himself, I asked, since I wasn't exactly in the pro-life camp myself. Sergeant Andrews tore his face away from the mirror long enough to squint at me with an are-you-stupid look. I don't know, he finally conceded, turning back to the mirror and rubbing deodorant into a hairy armpit. If he tries to hurt himself, beat his face in. He said this with no hint of humor or irony. Anyway, just don't leave him alone. He recapped the deodorant and began to dig through a pile of Euro notes and coins in his dresser. Then, to my surprise, he carefully counted some of them out. This is like... "'18 and change. "'Get him and you something to eat, "'and I'll try to get you a comp day. "'It's just for tonight, and then tomorrow, "'what's that guy's name, Albertson, the new guy, will watch him.' "'I stared down in shock at the money in my hand. "'I'd never had an NCO try to be nice. "'Thanks,' I said, surprised. "Uh "'Uh-huh,' he said absently. "'Hey,' he shot back at me as I turned to leave. "'Do I smell okay?' "'He smelled like stale cigarettes, cheap cologne, "'and the beer he'd been nursing on the nightstand.' Uh "'Uh-huh,' I said back, and then left to avoid further conversation. Specialist Springsteen, Kevin J., lived on the top floor of the barracks where the roof sloped down. He was quiet to the point of being antisocial, and it made sense why the folks in charge wanted him babysat, regardless of his having once disappeared into the fabled Nazi tunnels. I could only hope that if he canceled himself out, it might mean another black mark for all the big wigs that were in charge of us, but I doubted it would matter.' They would just blame someone else lower in rank if Springsteen did kill himself. The only time I think anyone noticed Springsteen was that one time Sergeant Andrews called Cadence to Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Then Andrews, in love with his own joke, grinned and grinned and jabbed Springsteen in the shoulder. I guess he did it in an attempt to help Springsteen understand what a funny, witty guy his NCO was. My drill sergeants did that all through basic, Springsteen said in his disinterested monotone as we jogged over the tarmac in the pink dawn of another long morning. I banged on Springsteen's door, and it swung open under my fist, apparently having not been latched. I peered into the room, expecting the filthy squalor of every depressed person. To my surprise, it was spotless, clinical even. A spindly figure sat on the bed, his long, thin arms were wrapped around his shins, his head down on his knees. He was still wearing his ACUs down to the boots. Steen, I called to the hunched over figure. He made no response and held completely still. You alive? He said nothing as I slowly walked towards the hunched figure in the darkened room. Steen, I called again. There was no response, but I could see the slight rise and fall of the hunched guy's chest and figured as long as it continued to do so, my job was done. Steen had mostly quit talking to people long before the tunnel incident and was just an accepted mute in the platoon for the most part. "'I'm going to order a pizza, you want some?' I asked, not expecting him to say anything. He didn't, so I ordered a large using the internet on my phone so I wouldn't have to talk to someone or get the bad English speaker that night who would foul up the order. Then I sat on the wooden chair by his desk and stared out the window, watching the sunset. I felt terrible." I looked resentfully at Springsteen, wishing I could again take my rucksack and go sleep under the overhang. I only had a few more days left until we went out to the range. I wondered what would happen if she appeared at our spot tonight and I wasn't there. I'm gonna watch some TV, okay? I said, moving towards his TV. You got any DVDs? He had a line of video games stacked neatly against the wall, but I just wanted to stare and vegetate at a movie. I opened the top drawer of his dresser, hoping to get lucky. Instead, I saw a rat's nest of charcoal-stained papers, graph paper, and old notebook pages curled at the corners where they'd been dumped into the lightless void. Dark figures were etched into the shadowy grid of carbon on the countless pages. They were rubbed and smeared to the edges in rough strokes by fingertips that had left their ridges and curls in the sooty blackness. The pages were filled with drooping broken bodies whose contours gleamed white and erasure strokes slashed through the smudges. I saw thick black straps coiled around wrists to a gurney. A nude man had his abdomen opened, exposing the twisting masses of his intestines and viscera strung out over his thighs. I glanced at Springsteen's hulking form, surprised the quiet guy would have something like this in his room. There were more in the drawer, barefoot figures in gowns with splinted toenails huddled in masses against walls, their bedraggled, oily hair like snakes obscuring their eyes. A spectacled figure leered at the midsection of a girl in a tweed coat with a fur collar. He was hunched over her abdomen, which was bare as her blouse had been pulled up over it. A horde of shadowed forearms loomed around in the distance. The victim's knuckles gleamed white, struggling against the straps that held her to the arms of a wooden exam chair. Her head was cocked back to the sky in a frozen scream, eyes bulging in pain. It seared through my brain like a speeding hot round and then exploded into recognition. Anna? Springsteen. I shouted, feeling my body jolt with a surge with something like electricity that caused my hand to tremble and shake with the picture. I charged over to him, forcing the page at him as he continued to stare down at his knees. Where'd you see this? He shook his head. My heart hammering, I leaned in and pushed the butt of my palm against his forehead, prying his face from his knees, and then I shoved the paper at him. Where did you see her? He glanced down at the drawing and shook his head. Where did you see this? I felt my nose smash against his as I got right in his face. I'm not an army goon. I don't yell at people or stare down people or get in people's faces. Now, though, there was nothing I cared about more than following the one thin lead I had back to Anna. The tension in my arms and the thumping of my heart told me I would beat Springsteen half to death if he didn't fess up quick. I see him when I sleep. He finally mumbled, looking away from me at the wall. I get real bad dreams. You saw this in a dream, I asked, shaking the picture. He nodded slightly. What was happening? Bad stuff, he said. What kind of bad stuff? They were taking people there. He wiped at his eyes and sniffed. Retarded people, weird people, and hurting them. What happened to her, the girl in the picture? I yelled, slamming my finger against the drawing. That's all I saw. I just get a flash of something that happened. He pushed the grubby picture away. The shrink told me to draw what I saw until I started bringing that stuff to her office, and then she told me not to do it anymore. Springsteen pushed his legs out and slid along the blankets against the wall. He stared up at the ceiling. I can't stop now. I tried going down there to tell them I wanted them to leave me alone, but I just got lost. Where? I don't remember. I had a dream that they were leading me down somewhere, and I woke up in some dark place under the barracks and couldn't get out. I didn't care about a stupid adventure in the tunnels, but I'd do anything to find her. I shot back to the drawer, wanting to see if I could find one more image, hoping to find one last link to her, maybe something that would show me where she was. I looked down into the filthy drawer of gritty drawings, feeling my pulse pound. I was more worried about not finding anything than what the horrible things I could find would reveal. I saw bodies writhing in pain, some limp, some curled up in a fetal state not unlike their illustrator, faces obscured or twisted in pain, deracinated, broken bodies that were more like husks of humans than people. I slid against the wall and sat on the floor cross-legged, staring at the picture of Anna. I found myself running my fingers over its contours and edges, trying not to smear a face. Knowing that someone else had seen her, having one more shred of evidence of her hammered home the point that she had been real. And it hadn't been a dream. Thanks for listening. I hope you had a good time. I welcome your feedback and your comments. If you're interested in joining our Facebook group, you can see it there above our email. We'll have the next chapter of Anna shoots ready for you sometime early next week. And I hope you have a good day. Thanks.